Hey, this is Double G, and I'm on Running It with Nate Sexton. Hello, disc golf fans, and welcome back to another episode of Running It with Nate Sexton. I am your co-host, Jared Orr. He is a man whose 2021 Las Vegas Classic Disc paid out as much to the pros as the tour probably did this week. And our host, Mr. Nate Sexton. Nate, how you doing today, man? I'm great. Just got back home from Vegas. It was really nice to be back out there and uh, play a tournament and do the Jomez thing and see all the Innova guys. I mean, it was it was really fun. I've, I've been gone too long. Yeah, you were you were gone for a long time, but you you crank some stuff out. And uh, for those of you who don't know, if you haven't checked it out, there's an awesome practice round with uh, Nate and Yuli and Germ. Uh, I think we all know how that went. Nate won, um, <laughs> and uh, you you guys did some other awesome clips. And then you were back behind the mic doing commentary, and you were back out there slinging them and flinging them, man. And it was just it was good to to see you back out on the course and to to hear the three of you guys in the booth on the call. Um, and I'm sure you had a ton of fun doing it as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I definitely miss those guys and, and working with them. And it was just, you know, the front, the first thing of the year for Joma is always so fun because every, every year now we're just going crazier and crazier. So now this, if you haven't seen this uh, action movie preview we made, it's fully stupid and silly, but it took a day and a half to make. So like we're, we're getting serious about our video production. Dude, it was absolutely amazing. I told you, I messaged you and said, uh, my biggest fear is that I'm I'm gonna lose you on the podcast to being in the Rock's next big movie, man. I'm, I'm nervous I, I, about that. Yeah, he he's been calling, but I got him. I got I'm thinking about blocking him. It's fine. I, I got podcasts oh, to make. I appreciate it. I, that's that's good to know. Sorry, Dwayne. Um, <laughs> man, that that 2021 Las Vegas Classic Firebird has made a uh, a ton of noise. Of course, another one of your discs. Um, even the players were chomping at the bit and getting out there and, and getting gas money for the next stop. So, were you collecting any social security numbers for write offs for for your taxes? <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. I, I don't know that I've ever seen anything quite like that. I mean, it's a really weird thing now where it's like such a collectible item and and disc golf is funny in that you know we're so accessible as pros that like the hardcore collectors don't even want the things autographed they want them just like blank and mint and ready to resell so it's sort of a funny feeling like i'm there and and the disc definitely has my name on it but some of the people you kind of get the feeling like i don't know that this guy's exactly a nate sexton fan but he's a fan of 500 free dollars and you know what are you going to do it's like that's that's just kind of the crazy place that we find ourselves in with the the demand and the rarity and yeah, it was pretty amazing. Just people waiting for hours and hours to in a big, in just a, you know, few thousand foot long line to, uh, to get in there and get a chance to buy one of those things. Yeah. Uh, absolutely unbelievable. And I'm sure, I'm sure they fly great, but I'm not sure one of them are ever going to see a field or any grass. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I hope somebody throws it, but, but for sure, you might be right. Yeah. Someone on your collector's page today was asking what the best way to display it on the wall was. And I said, well, you can't risk it falling off. So you just got to drive a nail right through the center of that thing <laughs> to keep it secure to the wall. It, it didn't go over well. I bet um, not. Now, of course, before we get going on today's episode, we're going to talk about our wonderful sponsors over at FisherDiscGolf.com. Guys, you've been hearing us talk about them each and every week. FisherDiscGolf.com 
has been a huge supporter of running it with Nate Sexton. Uh, they're one of the official Ledgestone retailers. They still have some of those discs available from that Ledgestone drop. I know they've been sold out a lot of places, but Fisher got loaded up on them. So head over to FisherDiscGolf.com. Check those out. They're constantly updating the site, getting new discs in every day. Um, tons of new Innova, MVP, Discraft, all of the names. Of course, we want you to visit that Innova section, but whatever your choice is, they've got them all on there. Awesome apparel, baskets. Of course, they're doing the disc stacks every Tuesday and Friday night. And Nate, I don't know if you know this, but Clint Calvin, who finished in 10th place at Las Vegas, he's a member of Team Fisher Disc Golf. Yeah, he's talented. Yeah, so that was uh, that was a big win for them, and uh, I think he qualified for for the United States Championship already absolutely. with his, yeah, with his absolutely. showing there. So that was uh, that's really cool for Team Fisher. And uh, Nate, when our listeners hop over onto FisherDiscGolf.com and pick up their new discs or apparel, how can they save themselves a little bit of money? You can save 10% by using our code RUNIT10, and it's always free shipping, so you can't beat it. Support a friend of the show, FisherDiscGolf.com. So uh, we had an amazing episode that you recorded actually while you were in Vegas. Uh, we had Mr. Dave Donapace on, and he just really gave us a lesson on the history of not just disc golf, but discs. And the feedback has been absolutely amazing. I've had so many people reach out. You can see the comments on Instagram. The one guy said, I wish this episode was five hours long. How'd you feel coming off that episode, Nate? I thought it was one of the best ones we've ever done. Just And I kind of expressed this as we were recording it, but it was just so interesting because, you know, Dave Dunapace, he said himself, he threw his first Frisbee in 1958. And everyone else we've had on the show is like, you know, a friend of mine. And I kind of already know what they're going to say to the answers to my questions. And it's still really interesting and fun to catch up and laugh and make jokes together. But like with Dave... It was a it was uncharted territory for me and just getting the opportunity to like monopolize his time and just say, hey, Dave, just talk to me about what you remember from 1979. You know, that was just uh, it's not not a chance that I've ever had before. And I hope to have it again because he's just like a titan in the sport of disc golf, you know, like the guy that invented the modern disc golf disc and has designed countless molds and yeah, driven the, the largest company in disc golf since its inception. It's it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it, it was it was an amazing episode, and I know you had a uh, a long tournament, and you were out there in the wind and the weather, and you had a, a top twenty finish, uh, which is amazing after you know not playing in these tournaments for for so long. Uh, it had to feel good to to be able to get out there and, and show that you can still do it. And when we were kind of discussing what we were going to do for the next episode, I, I thought maybe we would just kind of take it easy, do something kind of light, maybe just talk a little Las Vegas and, and let you get out of here. And you said, you know what, maybe we should get freaky for this next episode. Yeah, man, we got a heavy hitter. Uh, this guy, you know, he's kind of a one of a kind in disc golf at, at this point. I don't think that anyone has ever had the same experience that he's had coming into our sport. Uh, he started out playing ultimate at the University of Florida, then went on to play ultimate professionally kind of rose to YouTube superstardom with the trick shot thing that I remember seeing these trick shots. I mean, even maybe t as much as 10 years ago, I remember the one off the bridge and the guys diving off the boat. And I, I was just eating that stuff up when I was an ultimate player and a, a young disc golf pro. And then he kind of dove into ball golf head first, got so good at that, that he was like meeting and playing with like top PGA professionals. And now I feel like, 
you know, put all his passions into one basket, finally found his forever home, I hope, as a professional disc golfer. And of course, you know, I'm talking about Mr. Brody Smith. Hey, thanks for having me. And I, before, before we get into it, I just want to say, Nate, um, that I'm actually super stoked that you started a podcast. Um, I think one thing that disc golf really needs is more media. And I couldn't think of a better person than yourself to actually kind of kickstart and really get uh, that, that side of the things going. So um, I think, I think it's awesome that you've, you know, taken time out of your busy schedule to, to get this thing going. And obviously I'm just stoked to be on it as well. Yeah. Thanks, man. We really appreciate you joining. I mean, it's, it's really, uh, it's Jared's, it's Jared's thing. I would not be doing this without Jared's, uh, and sit, like pestering me almost, which I was, <laughs> which I'm okay with, you know, just to start it. But yeah, I'm really having fun with it. I don't really have the, uh, video editing chops that you guys have. So this is kind of my way since I haven't really figured out the YouTube thing. I'm, I'm going this way and it's, it's been really fun. It's a, it's probably the smart way to be honest. The, the video side can get a little bit a little bit tiresome and, and long. So this is, I, this is, this is a good, I think, long-term plan. I can imagine, man. But yeah, I'm really excited to have you on because, and like, like I kind of said in the intro, I just feel like nobody has ever come at disc golf from a place like of like, you know, I celebrity maybe is a little bit of a strong word. I don't, I don't think you probably think of yourself as a celebrity, no. but you know what I mean? You know, a guy with yeah. a, a serious following, a guy who has had huge success in disc sports and then to just kind of jump in with two feet and like on basically what feels like day one, you're already kind of like into professional contracts and like, Mm -hmm. you know, learning from Macbeth and, and like, you know, right there at the top, you know, of the kind of the, the, what celebrity we have in disc golf, you know, you're right there at the top immediately. So, you know, that's a, something I don't feel like anyone else has ever really done. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it was, it was kind of a crazy start, um, for sure. But basically how I've done everything in my life is if I'm, if I have a passion for something and I truly enjoy doing it, I go, I go all in. And, um, that's, that's what I was feeling with disc golf. Obviously I have known about disc golf for years and years and years. Um, I've been on disc golf courses before, mostly playing with ultimate ultimate disc uh just mainly because you know it, it, it was very easy to tell or it's very easy for me to see how different the form is required to throw a disc versus throwing a frisbee and uh i didn't i didn't want to ever risk messing up my form for ultimate by doing disc golf but i knew about it for the longest time but i was just i was so focused on ultimate that nothing else really mattered to me um and then I went straight from ultimate into golf and that was my focus a hundred percent. And then, uh, disc golf kind of just, I guess everything just, like you said, everything just eventually aligned and, you know, you, you can play the what ifs and stuff. And I've definitely thought about it. I was like, man, if I would have, as soon as I had like that first really bad knee injury, if I would have like known that I could love disc golf as much as I loved ultimate, it would have been, it would have been pretty interesting to see where I would be now if I started back in like 2015. Sure. But but obviously I'm happy that I I got into it when I did. Um, And uh, yeah, I've just been enjoying the ride so far. Yeah. I would say, 
you're not alone. I, I would say almost every disc golfer kind of has that, like, no matter if you're a big time pro or what has that kind of like, well, I sure wish I would have started earlier. Mm-hmm. Cause like, you know, even me, you know, I started at like 14 or 15, I was playing ultimate before that. And I still, you know, went on and played college ultimate and played disc golf at the same time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like definitely, I think once you get bitten by the bug and you become somebody who loves it when it from, from, I don't really understand why there's such a, maybe you can speak to this, why there's such kind of like a wedge between ultimate and disc golf. I've been in both worlds it's and they're weird, like man. pretty, pretty like it's uh, weird. separate, but I feel like anybody who tries, who likes one could absolutely love the other. I mean, they're, they're, I don't know. It's just like the flight. If you like the flight, you're going to like either one. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm sure I'm I'm sure you're known that I, I speak my mind and I'm not afraid of the backlash of, you know, yeah. I, I, I think, I think it's important for people to come out and say things that they, they feel is what's going on. And, you know, I think, I think both in disc golf and in ultimate, you have a lot of uh, big fish, small pond sure. and they want to keep it that way. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I played, all sorts of sports growing up. And I never was really uh, this whole notion of like, our sport is better than everyone else. We're beca- because we have the best people we have. We have uh, our community is awesome. We're so inclusive. We include like, I never really heard that from anyone else, but it was, it, it happened in ultimate all the time. And then now coming over to disc golf, I'm starting to hear it too. And I'm wondering if that's kind of like the the barrier of like this notion of like ultimate is better than every other sport. And then disc golf, it has people saying that same thing. And so there's that little headbutt of like, let's not all get together and be friends. And I'm always the man, like ultimate and disc golf aren't that big in comparison to all these other sports. Like we should be working together and, and trying to come together and, and grow and, and not have this notion of like one is better than the other and all this. I don't, I don't know. I I could, I could go down that rabbit hole for a while, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to me. I think I've definitely have met a lot of people that say they want a sport to grow, but when it comes to who is coming into the sport, then all of a sudden they're like, well, we want more people, but the right people. And I'm like, well, that's okay. That, and and that's kind of my take on ultimate. I didn't care if you played ultimate frisbee with uh, barefoot, if you played it with cleats and super serious, if you went to the gym and trained. I didn't care how you played ultimate. My whole thing was just trying to get dis frisbees into kids' hands and have them potentially fall in love, like you said, fall in love with the flight of the disc. It's unlike anything else. It really is. And once you really start getting a hang of throwing a disc, it's like, you just want to keep and keep going on. Um, so I've always been a huge proponent of I don't care who gets into the sport. Um, just as long as, you know, obviously they're not, you know, destroying our courses. That is something that I think is a little bit of an issue with disc golf and being public parks. Sure. Is I think, you know, because people can just play for free, there's this notion that they don't really need to take care of it, unfortunately. Um so yeah, obviously I'm not a big fan of those people, but other than that, like anyone that comes on, we should, we should be opening uh, or welcoming everyone with open arms. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, 
you know, if anybody can kind of lay the first couple stones and helping us build the bridge between uh, the two sports, you got to be a good candidate for that. So I, I, I definitely agree with you. And I think, you know, people want change, but they kind of, and growth, but they kind of want it on their own terms. And like mm-hmm. the real world isn't really quite like that a lot of times. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, let's get into some current events. I mean, we both just got out of Vegas. How'd you feel? Yeah. I mean, one of the one of your bigger tournaments after putting in a big off season. I think your game's in a different place than we saw it last year because you're still so new. You're learning so fast. Uh, I, I mean, I was impressed. I don't know how you feel about your your placing, but I thought you did well. Twenty fifth place. Yeah. Um. You know, the first first two rounds, they could have been a lot better. I made I made two mental mistakes um one of each in each round that cost me two strokes and then um overall that that tournament was the worst putting i have ever done in any tournament even including waco going all the way back to my very first tournament that was the worst i've ever putted um and that was kind of frustrating because normally putting has been my strong suit and something that has kind of gained me some strokes on some some people and I felt like if I it was it was so frustrating because going into the tournament it just didn't I don't know if this has ever happened with you but I it didn't feel right something time something timing was off and I, I spent so much time on the putting green trying to figure it out and I just never was able to feel confident and then adding you know, adding the wind and then adding all the rollaway potentials on all these greens, that was kind of like the worst combo possible. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't take, it doesn't take an expert to look at me on whole, I think it was, yeah, whole 18, the final day, you know, I threw one into 30 feet and I just had a 30 foot up, you know, straight up, up the hill putt. And, you know, here I am throwing a scuba because I have no confidence in my putting stroke. So it was, it, it you know, it's growing pains, obviously, because other parts of my game were great. Um, I felt like off the tee, I was doing pretty good at keeping the disc in play. I felt like I was giving myself a lot of opportunities to make birdies, but my putting was just, I mean, I missed 10 putts, I think, inside of 25 feet. So it was frustrating because it could have been, it could have been a lot better without me really having played that much better, but yeah, for you know, sure. this, this year's kind of just uh, getting back into the swing of things. Cause I don't even count last year really as a season. Yeah. I, I, I got a couple tournaments under my belt. Then I got Lyme disease, came back and tried to play with that too soon. And, and that was a disaster. Um, and plus I had no forehand. I mean, there was all sorts of whacked out stuff I was going through last year. So I feel like this is the first time where it's like, I'm actually prepared to play. So I'm just, I'm just having fun and, and just keep, keep putting the, uh, the work down. And, and 2022 is really the season that I I've got kind of circled as the one that I'm going to be coming out and, and, you know, trying, trying to take some W's. Yeah, man. That's, that's, that's amazing. I hope you can do it. I would say, uh, Full disclosure, you know, you're saying, oh, I don't know if it's ever happened to you. I've, I've played over 300 tournaments in my career, and I would say um, it could be as many as 100 where my putt felt kind of wonky. <laughs> yeah. Know? Like that's not not rare in my experience that you kind of get there and you're overthinking things or the wind. I mean, certainly Vegas is a prime place to have a, a, a nervous putt because it is, like mm-hmm. you said, all the baskets are elevated on those little 
knolls and the grass is so dry and so short that like even a lame duck that like hits the cage and drops straight down could pick up and roll on you. So you you have a lot to worry about out there. So I wouldn't take your, take it too hard. I think you obviously you got the practice mentality to to you know get get yourself right and be ready for the next one. Yeah. What do you what do you when your putt is feeling like that? Do you do anything different practice wise leading into the tournament? I've described my putting. Uh, I, I'm, I can't remember if I said this on this show before, but we'll say it again. I I've I kind of describe my putting as like it's like. There, it's like a, a Ferris wheel and mm-hmm. there's like 40 cars on the Ferris wheel. And each, each car has like a mantra, like a putt, like a swing thought, you know? And like, it takes like two or three years for the Ferris wheel to go around. So like it comes back around and I'll be like, oh yeah, like engage your wrist, engage your wrist. What are you thinking? Mm-hmm. And when I do that for like two or three weeks, then I like don't really ever think about it again for like two years. But like the next car coming down is like, use your legs. Mm. You know, and it's like, I don't know, there's just like so many things that can go wrong. So many factors in a good putt that I just find like every week it might, it's like I have a, a mantra or a swing thought that I'm like, okay, I gotta, I'm just going to make sure that one thing is done. Right. Gotcha. And when I focus on that one thing, good things usually happen. The rest of my muscle memory and stuff kind of kicks in, but I, then I feel like, okay, now the next thing, now I forgot to do the next thing, you know, and it's mm. just a constant, like you're tinkering and like you're a mechanic under the car. And stuff just keeps breaking and you just kind of have to be like, oh, shoot, like I got to tighten that down. I hadn't tightened that for a while. And it's that's how I feel about it. It's just like always something new that I haven't thought about in a while. But now that's a problem. And I got to like shore it up and be like, no, 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 that. And every time it feels like this eureka moment, like, oh, my God, my legs. Mm. And then I and then all of a sudden I feel like I can't miss. And it lasts a little while. You know, I don't know. That's kind of my experience. But you're always trying to go back to the same type of form. You're not really tinkering too much of like, well, what if my, my stance was a little wider? What if I do this? You're always trying to get back to, you're not really changing your form too much. You would say. No, not much. The thing that I do is, uh, go, I like, I'm primarily a straddle putter, but in the heavy Mm -hmm. wind, I switch to the stagger stance just because I feel like I can go like a little bit lower and and more forward and backward energy from my legs. So I make those kind of adjustments, but no, I wouldn't say that I'm like actively, you know, I'm not really trying to change anything about my form. I've, I've joked like, Hey man, like, you know, I've, I've had a great career. I I hope to keep having success, but like, I'm not trying to reinvent myself now. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to ride the train and, and, you know, play as well as I can avoid injury, get stronger and, uh, you know, just have confidence and play with the skills I have. And obviously I look to add like discs and like confidence in stranger, like rarely use shot shapes. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say I'm like, oh, man, if I only could, like, change my form this way, I, I, I'm kind of be past that, at least for, for myself. Gotcha. Well, Nate, let me ask you, you know, Brody is this is his second year, I guess, going into really playing disc golf. How long did it take you? I mean, at what point did you have all your stances and, and everything down that, that you knew this is exactly how I like to do it for this? I mean, oh. obviously it's, it's, it's gotta, there's gotta be some feeling out period. Yeah. Way, uh, way longer than that. And I, and I would say like, even though I'm pretty secure in my putting stance now, like that doesn't mean that I wouldn't change it too. You know, like I wouldn't change it on purpose. I would change it because I would like miss a ton of putts. And I'd be like, that is, I just need a mental reset. So I've done that before in my career too, where it's like, I made a change like out, but not because I was like thinking, Hey, I wonder if this would be better. More like, I'm just so pissed off. 
and I miss so many shots and my confidence is totally shot that I need to like try a new style, you know, but, but yeah, definitely longer than two years where, where, cause I was still an amateur at that point, you know, in my career, I was still just a kid. Uh, so I was still trying all kinds of different things back at that stage in my, uh, development as a player. Yeah. But Brody, dude, you smashed that 80 foot scuba though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a useful shot for sure. I mean, it's the only, it's literally the only throw that is similar to an ultimate Frisbee throw. Yeah. It's the only one. So, you know, no, no disc golfer really throws it ever. Right. Cause you don't need to, why, why would you? Um, but to me, throwing an 80 foot scuba is not weird because I've done it thousands and thousands of times. And um, the disc that I use has a very similar flight characteristic to an ultimate disc. So yeah, for, I mean, for me, it's kind of a no brainer for a lot of, a lot of putting situations that you'll see guys just throw the disc up and underneath the basket, you know, and they're not really, they're not, they're literally just laying up, not even trying to make it. Um, And I can, I can throw that thing up in the air and, if it goes in, great. If it doesn't, then it's ideally just sitting underneath the basket. Yeah, and I think in a few short months, I mean, I've seen enough highlights of you making them. I'm, I don't think anyone's in any – they're not in their right mind if they're criticizing your decision-making because clearly it's a shot you've put time into through all your time in Ultimate, and mm-hmm. you're connecting from distance. So it's like it looks weird, sure, because we haven't seen somebody do that in a wide-open field, but who cares? I mean, if the thing is going in, more power to you. Yeah. And I really only do it when, when, you know, certain situations like that, that, that one there, it was a 25 mile or 25 mile an hour tailwind. And I believe OB was roughly 23, 24 feet behind the basket. The only way you're making that shot in that kind of tailwind is either lasering like your putt, just like, on a line with a lot of speed. And if you miss, you're definitely going OB yeah. or lofting some sort of disc up in the air. Cause with that amount of wind, there's no way that you throw a normal circle two putt that it's getting there. It's going to get knocked down. So to me, throwing, you know, a, a circle two jump putt or something like that up in the air and, and trying to get that right, that seems way more challenging. And also you have the roll away potential of, who knows what the wind's going to do and, and what angle the disc is going to land on the ground. Um, so I, I really only do it in certain situations. Um, obviously in the woods, it, it's helped out a lot because for me throwing a, like an Annie putt, like an a, a extreme Annie putt around like a tree or something, I just don't feel as comfortable doing that as just popping, you know, popping the disc over and then just flicking my wrist a little bit. I love it. I, I mean, I, I, I think, one of my favorite things about disc golf is the creativity that it allows people mm-hmm. to like to take to play the game a totally different way. Like, you know, even like myself and Macbeth, we travel together and play together for a long time. And we approach so many holes, like almost in opposite ways. Mm-hmm. And it's like and we're still getting the job done, you know, so I, I love that about disc golf. So I I'm full, full supporter of as many scubers as, as you want to throw, because I think it's cool. I just think it opens people's minds. As to like, oh, interesting. And I, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised with the following you have and the popularity you have. We're going to see a real uptick in the scubers use in the next five years. That was, is my, my guess. 
Yeah. Like I said, I mean, if you have a death putt or you have some sort of situation where, you know, trying to make it, it, it seems unlikely. I, I could potentially pick up a stroke on the field by being able to throw a scuba and make it then, you know, the next guy that would just throw it into the ground and slide it up. So, um, yeah, if you can, if you can get it dialed in, I think, I think it can definitely pick up a couple of strokes, um, throughout the year for sure. Sweet. Well, yeah, man, I think you kind of, you kind of half answered it, um, in talking about how you feel about your putting. So I, I, I'm not surprised if you say putting is one of your strengths, but I just kind of want to ask you in your opinion right now, you know, what's, what's the strength of your game and what's your biggest weakness right now in terms of your skills? Um, I think I would say scrambling is also probably up there um, as a strength as a strength. Yeah. I feel like that's a, that's an ultimate, that's an ultimate holdover for sure. Having the, the big long stretch and comfortable throwing extreme angles far away from your body. Yeah. I was, I was shocked when I first started playing because you guys, I, I think this, what's the word? I always forget what you guys call it. Um, uh, when you're, when you throw like a, a step out backhand. In oh, ultimate. like the patent pending. Patent thing? pending. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, when I, when I did that in a practice round or I did that sometime and I just threw it, I was shocked because people were like, Oh my God, that was so good. I was like, what? Yeah. It's just a very, it's not something that you ever, I mean, thinking about it right now, I don't know when the last, I'm, I'm, I don't even know when the last time I did one of those throws. So it's not a throw that you practice in disc golf. So yeah. I can only, I can imagine how difficult that is for a lot of players to do, but that's, you know, that's something that I've done hundreds of thousands of times in, in, in ultimate. So doing th those type of throws, throwing a forehand above my head, um, you know, stepping out and throwing a forehand underneath, underneath my knee. Um, and then like you were talking about earlier, just the creativity, I think, I don't really get it so much from ultimate because ultimate's pretty much straightforward in the type of throws you do, but definitely doing all the trick shots that I've done and, and learning all different types of release angles and just being comfortable with it. Um, the more, the more I'm, the more work and practice I get with these discs, uh, I think the better I'm going to be. Cause that's, I mean, that's the big thing is really learning, um, how these discs are going to react on different angles and different power. Uh, where, you know, ultimately I kind of had dialed in cause it was literally just one disc. So I would say yeah. that's definitely a strength. Um, and then I would say weakness right now would probably be, I mean, consistency obviously is, sure. is the no brainer. Um, and that's just obviously going to come time with time and reps. And like we were just talking about, I'm, you know, right now I'm doing a big form change in my backhand and a, tiny form change in my forehand and you know some people might be like that's kind of silly you have a tournament in two days and it's like well yeah if all you cared about were like short-term results I don't really care if I get last place in this tournament yeah I again my focus is on 2022 and doing these form changes if I can go from throwing you know because after playing Vegas I was like I need to throw further I, I don't throw far enough so I was like, what do I need to do to throw further? So I started looking at my form and then I started looking at Drew Gibson's form, Ezra's form, Paul's form, Eagle's form. And I was like, okay, they all have certain things very in common. They get, they get to the spot differently, but when yeah. they get to that spot, everything is very similar. And I was losing a lot of power 
by having my lead foot open, which will make my hips open. I was losing a lot of power and consistency with um, just my reach back. It was very ultimate like still. Um, and I wasn't driving through the pocket as much. So I'm changing those things because, you know, I want to be able to throw 550, 600 um, on, a, on a golf line. Yeah. Um, and, and so I'm looking at those things. So I would say distance. Distance would probably be a, a weakness right now. And then the consistency would probably be the weakness as well. Sure. But you, I mean, you're no slouch for distance. I feel like you're, you've got probably almost 500 now, don't you? Yeah, I, I can throw 500 on a golf line um, right now, uh, but I should be able to throw further. So sure. uh, it's, it's definitely not a, um, you know, it's not a situation where you're five foot seven. You're like, I want to be able to dunk a basketball. And it's like, well, sir, you're never going to be able to jump that high to do that. <laughs> um, I know I can throw further because I have bad form. So yeah. fixing my form and getting it, getting it more clean, which is such a weird thing. One thing I always thought about on ultimate Frisbee, no one, I, I mean, I played on some of the best teams in the entire world. No one ever talked about throwing. Yeah. We never did. You, yeah. you just joined a team and everyone just learned the plays and you practice and you try to figure out different ways to play defense and stuff. But no one ever was like, Hey man, you're doing this with your backhand or, Hey, you're doing this with your forehand. No one ever talked about it, but, um, that, so that's kind of new to me coming over to disc golf is like that, you know, it's very similar. I would say to golf where everything is about form. You're constantly taking videos of yourself. You're constantly, you know, analyzing just the small minute things because you know for the most part like we had we played 54 holes i would say 30 times i threw almost the same exact motion just with a different disc in my hand yes so it's like how good can i get that motion yeah for sure that's the name of the game if you could do it every time exactly the same way then it's just making selections you know you're almost like a mm -hmm. machine just mm -hmm. choosing discs and reading wind and, and making those calculations. Yep. For sure. Um, you, Brody, you kind of, Oh, go ahead, Jared. Well, I'm just, I'm sitting here listening to this and I, I got to ask, man, like you had an awesome ultimate career. You, you had a, an amazing, uh, um, golf career. You were on the amazing race. You have over 2 million YouTube followers, what makes you want to jump into a whole new sport right now? And, you know, obviously you're at the bottom of the food chain. You're, you know, you're the new guy. Mm -hmm. um, what was the motivation behind that, man? Where, how do you find that motivation when you've already got so much awesome stuff going on? Just competition. Just that's, that's it. If I, if I could, if my body was still healthy, I would still be playing ultimate Frisbee. Um, but that, unfortunately I had a, you know, finally realize like, man, if I want to be able to walk when I'm 45, I need to, I need to kind of put up the cleats because my body, I was just, you know, three knee surgeries. All I needed probably was one more and I, I'd be in a really, really bad spot. So I unfortunately had to hang those up and, and then that led me into golf. And I always, as a kid, cause that was one of the sports that I felt like I was just maybe most naturally gifted with. I always was like, Hey, down the road, I want to just give myself like a chance to see how good I can get in golf, but golf is super expensive. And then on top of that, the amount of time it would take me because in, in disc golf, I have, I have 
you know, we kind of talked about some of the strengths and stuff I have. I've put in a lot of time throwing. It's just, I was throwing differently. So transitioning over, I had to break a lot of bad habits, but I can pick up things a lot quicker. Golf, I'm competing against thousands and thousands and thousands of people that have been doing it since they were, you know, four or five years old. So I loved, I loved that journey that I had in golf and I loved the competition. You know, I played in a couple of tournaments and, and it was awesome, but I really missed throwing the Frisbee. I really missed. And, you know, I had, I had the ability of playing a lot of different sports, but I chose the ultimate Frisbee just because it was, it was unlike anything else. And, and Nate knows being in it, you don't play ultimate Frisbee for the money. You, no. it actually, it actually costs money to play ultimate Frisbee. You don't ever get that money back. So you're playing it just purely for the joy, the passion, um, you know, the, the, your teammates too. Like some of my best memories are on the track where we're just absolutely destroying our bodies for each other, knowing that, you know, we're putting in the work to potentially win a national championship. The, all that competition stuff, that's what I've always looked for. And as soon as I kind of was like, I can put together golf and I can put together my love of throwing a Frisbee. There's a sport that does both those things. I was like, man, it's like, why didn't I think about this earlier? So, um, yeah, you know, I think, I think you have to kind of be someone that is just absolutely all about competing and, 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 and really just pushing yourself to see how good you can get at something. For sure. Yeah. I, I, uh, as like a 20 year old kid, you know, I I was like playing ultimate and I was super serious about it and playing on the the traveling college team. But I was also like just starting out as a pro disc golfer. And that was a huge motivator for me was like, the better I get at ultimate, the more money it costs me and I don't have any money. (laughs) And the better I get at disc golf, the more times I just like go have fun for a weekend and my rent's paid. Yeah, and it, that was a big thing for me. Like, hey, you know, actually, I'm kind of starting to like this disc golf thing because yeah. I was like just playing B tiers, and you know, like getting getting the same thrill of of competition though it's different. It's not fast paced, and you know, mm-hmm. you don't. I, yeah, definitely miss teammates because teammates, the bonds there were really fun. I'll tell you what, but, man, I'm missing yeah. the crowds real bad. Oh, I bet because yeah, you don't. You, we have no one out there. Yeah, because you. Gonna, I mean. It's going to blow up when when they come back, I think. It's going to be way bigger than it ever was. Yeah, and I don't – I mean, I don't know about you, but most of the time when you're playing Ultimate Frisbee, you're playing in front of just your your team and the other team. But they're as loud as 500 people. it's insane, and it gets you hyped up and stuff. And um, I I think – I just was talking to Josh, who was out here, and he was asking me, like, hey, how how are you liking it and stuff? And I was like – I was like, honestly, I love it, but – one thing that I thrive off of is that like energy that I got from my teammates. And then when we did play in front of a crowd and, you know, with it being such a slow paced sport, you know, you throw, you stand around, you're not doing anything. It's really hard when there is no crowd. So I, I cannot wait for there to be even 10 people watching um, yeah. because, you know, you just, I, I feel like you can just, you know, get get a little fuel off of that yeah you're gonna love it i mean all, all my best uh you know memories competing it's like when there's a thousand or two thousand people there you know and it's just such a thrill mm-hmm. to hear the hear that big roar when you go for a risky shot and pull it off it's like so great yeah 
But we'll be back my, soon, I hope, with all that stuff. Yeah, it'd be great. My knees knock when a bigger group tells me I can play through. So <laughs> guys, that's, that's the difference between the amateurs and the pros. I sort of feel like at this point, uh, I can't even... I don't know that I can even play what's like, I can't even quite unlock my very, very best without some of that like pressure. And, you know, I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel like there's like a, 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 another level inside that I can't really get to just because I want to, Mm -hmm. I need the, I need like that uh, thrill and that pressure and that all that tension and electricity in the air to like, let me go. You know, I feel like I could throw 30 feet farther all of a sudden when, when all that, all those things are happening. Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think everyone is, I think everyone's dealing with the same thing because I think for the most part, if you are a competitor and you're playing the sport to compete and to win, when you have the bigger moments, that's when you really start feeling it. And it's hard, it's hard to, you know, feel that when there's no crowd, when there's no one watching, it's just a different, it's a completely different vibe. Um, yeah. For so sure. yeah. I wanted to hear uh, kind of before we, we move into some more fan questions and stuff, I was just mm-hmm. curious This kind of, we talked, you briefly touched on it before, but um, like, how did the whole trick shotting thing start? Because that kind of took you from, you know, an ultimate player among many ultimate players. And you're sort of like stuck inside the bubble of ultimate and no one, but ultimate players love or know who you are. Mm-hmm. And it took you into like another realm, you know, with YouTube. Yeah. So for me, it, you know, it goes back to just trying to get more people with a Frisbee in their hand to give them a chance because I felt like had had I known Ultimate Frisbee was a thing, I would have played it at a much younger age than I did. Yeah. And so it was just like, give give a kid a chance. Like, let him throw a Frisbee. If he hates it, that's cool. You know, there's a lot of people that love surfing. I tried it once, absolutely did not like it at all. I have no interest in trying surfing. So everyone has their different flavor, but I felt like ultimate Frisbee was just like so low on the chopping block and no one knew about it. I mean, I'm sure you've gotten tons of people being like, what do you do? Ultimate Frisbee. And you're like, Oh, where's your dog? And you're like, what? (laughs) No. So it was trying to just get the sport more known. And I started making tutorial videos because for me, I feel like, if you know how to throw a Frisbee properly, it is way more enjoyable than if you're constantly just throwing it straight into the ground. So I started with some basic little how to throw a backhand, how to throw a forehand. And uh, those started kind of getting circulated around the ultimate Frisbee uh, world and on the Facebook pages and all that stuff. And I remember like getting like 5,000 views after like the first week and being like, Oh my gosh, (laughs) this is insane. (laughs) And, um, this was at the time. I don't remember. I don't know if you know, remember like, uh, Johnny Mac, the trick shot quarterback. And there was another guy, there was another quarterback that did a trick shot video and dude perfect was like slowly kind of starting to do stuff. This was like literally right at the time of where like ping pong trick shots were happening. Like the trick shot world was starting. It was before, it was before bottle flipping before. Yeah. Way before bottle. flipping. (laughs) Um, And uh, bottle flipping, I don't think will ever die either. I think that's still one of the coolest things. Yeah. Um, And one of my buddies was just like, dude, what if, what if you like did a trick shot video with a Frisbee? And I was like, okay, well no one's done that. So that could be cool. 
So for the next, I think, week and a half, uh, I was teaching at the time. Um, so I would get off school and my buddy had a, a little, uh, what was those, what were those cameras called? Flip cams, those little flip cams. Okay. Like $60. Yeah. And we just went around, uh, the university of Florida and I was like, Oh, there's a trash can over there. Okay. I'm going to stand way over here. And I'm going to throw the Frisbee in the trash can. And he's like, okay, sweet. And we literally did that for about an hour for like a week and a half. And then compiled all the video, compiled all, all them together. My, my, one of my other friends was like uh, into music. So he made the beat behind it. And that was the first trick shot video. And then it got, it got put on, I want to say like either it was some Asians Yahoo page. So back in the day, if you got on like the front page of Yahoo, your video absolutely blew up. Like my speedboat catch that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. That was put on the front page of Yahoo, like the the United States one. And it got 5 million views in like the 24 hours. Yeah. So this trick shot video got put on some Asian Yahoo and it got like 600,000 views in the first week. And I was like, what the heck is going on? And then YouTube sent me a thing. And this was back in the day where YouTube would send you hey, your video is doing well. We want to put ads on your video. So you had to get YouTube to approve a specific video and then you could put ads on it. And I was like, wait, I can make money doing this? And and that was just like, I was like, wait a second. I could potentially like do this as a job kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I was like, this is the perfect thing of like getting people super excited into throwing the Frisbee because of the, all the trick shots. and then. The goal was to be like, okay, I love throwing the Frisbee. Like, what else can I do? And it's like, bam, ultimate Frisbee. Check it out. So that was kind of my thought process of kind of doing the trick shots and 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 why why it all started in the first place. Well, I was definitely – I remember just eating them up, man, back in the day. We, we loved them just to yeah, see Yeah, I remember, the- I remember posting one of yours on the trick shot video. I didn't know at the time anything about disc golf, really. Someone had just sent me a clip. And I think it was your looking back at it now. I think it was your ace at uh, USDGC oh, nice. on the the triple Mando. Yeah, on the bamboo. Nice. Yeah, that made it on Sports Center or something like that. Nice. Um, so I remember <laughs> posting that up too. Um, and then I think I post like Seppos off the bridge that ace that he had at yeah. some place. Yeah, too. At the wor- it was at the 2011 World Championships. Yeah. So I, I had a little bit of disc golf in there. Um, before obviously meeting up with Avery, but yeah, the trick shot, the trick shots were awesome, man. It was so much, it was so much fun doing them. Nice. Shout out to Alex Tanny quarterback. That was the there you go. trick shot quarterback. Nice. Reason I know that is he had a cup of coffee with uh, the Buffalo Bills here at one point. And I was like super excited about it. I was like, dude, the Bills could really be good if they just sign like, <laughs> a, a, mo- a moving trash can and a, uh, a pickup truck that, you know, he could throw it into the back of driving by. But uh, it didn't go as well with receivers for him. But yeah, Alex Tanny, that was uh, that he was the quarterback that you guys are talking about. The beautiful thing of editing yeah for sure you, it's, you get more than one shot yeah well nate i think you mentioned it um brody when we posted on social that you were going to be the guest um and i i say this pretty much every week and that's because the show keeps growing and the fan base keeps growing but um i got more 
fan questions and emails and even friend requests now um, oh, nice. off, of, <laughs> off of those posts than I think all of our previous shows combined. Um, so if you don't mind, uh, we could take a couple fan questions and we know it's your, your, your two year wedding anniversary. So happy anniversary to you and your, your you. beautiful wife. So, uh, we'll take some fan questions and, uh, and let you guys go celebrate. Fantastic. Well, we do something cool here where we let fans submit audio questions. They can send those into runningitpodcast at gmail.com. And I think we'll start with an audio question. Nate and Brody, the secondhand disc market has taken a huge jump in 2020 with the Firebird obviously being one of the biggest uh, resale values. But Brody has had his own success with the Get Freaky brand as well as the Dark Horse brand. Brody, did you ever see your discs jumping to the point that they have? I know Nate has talked about being surprised that some of his stuff has done what it has in the secondhand market. Brody, have you also been surprised? That's a good question. Um, Yeah, and I think you guys were touching on that a little bit earlier about uh, you know, how potentially if you were, if you cashed in the actual event, you, you probably would have made a lot more money had you gotten one of Nate's discs and then flipped it. <laughs> um, it's true. Yeah. Which is wild. Um, you know, it's definitely not something that I thought was a thing for sure. I had no idea. Um, and, and, and working with Discraft too from the very beginning my whole thing was like, Hey, I don't, I don't want to just come in here and, and do a bunch of stuff because we can do a bunch of stuff. Like I want to make sure that I'm putting in the work and I'm earning it just like everyone else. And, um, you know, obviously I think people after a year, um, can see that I'm here for the long run. I wasn't just jumping in here for, for no reason. Um, but man, the disc market is wild. It is absolutely wild. I don't, I don't even know really how to answer that question because I don't know if there's a solution to it. Cause I know there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people are up in arms. I don't know. I, I mean, Nate might probably have a better idea cause he's been around the, the crazy firebirds for longer than, than I have obviously. But, you know, I think you see both sides where you have some collectors that are like, I love collecting. And then you have some people that are like, I want the disc to throw it. And, you know, there's this kind of divide right now where, you know, some people are like discs are made to throw. And then other ones are like, if I buy something, I should be able to do whatever I want with it. So uh, I don't know how Nate feels on the whole matter, but I, I think it's absolutely wild for sure. Um, and I think if there was a way, and this is not me talking about myself personally, if there was a way of somehow, there's so much money in disc golf right now, and this this could go to so many different ways, but there's so much money in disc golf right now. The problem is the money's not going to the players. Yeah. And I think I think that's a real, real issue because like we talked about earlier, Nate, when you were saying, you're playing ultimate Frisbee and you're playing disc golf. One ultimate Frisbee was costing you money. And you started being like, wait, I can make money in, in disc golf. I think when money starts going to the players, you're going to see two things happen. You're going to see 
players take the sport more seriously. They're going to practice harder. They're going to change their lifestyles based off of uh, being better at disc golf. And then I think you're also going to see a lot more athletes coming into the sport because there's actually money to be made, which will then ultimately make the product that fans watch way better because there's going to be better disc golf being played. But I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I, and I think that's starting to happen. I mean, clearly our, our, our buddy, Polly boy just made a huge announcement, you know, to that effect of, yeah, of, but uh, that's through sponsorship. I'm talking about like purses. Oh, the pur- okay. The purse, yeah, the purse yeah, money yeah, yeah. is way too low. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, going yeah. in the right direction though. I mean, it's, uh, it's out there. Uh, well, look at, last year, Nate cashed four grand at Las Vegas this year. Eagle cashed 5,500. That's Jared, a Jared, but, question. I got a question for you real quick. How much money do you think last cash got at, at, this tournament $400. How much money do you think 12th place got 800? It got a thousand dollars. It got $600 more. Oh, I don't, I don't do disagree. You, I don't disagree that you guys should be making a, a lot more money because there's a well, lot of money coming does, into those. Doesn't events. that seem insane to you though? It absolutely seems insane. And I, honestly, first 12th, that honestly, seems I, wild. I think, and this is my personal opinion, and you guys may disagree, but I think disc golf pays out too many places. I think that, um, you know, there should be a cutoff at some point where, you know, if you want to pay that bottom tier a flat, like, hey, here's 250 bucks. Thanks for showing up. But I think the majority of the money needs to go to the, you know, the top 20, 25, however you want to break it down. But I think paying out as far as they do on some of these tournaments is crazy. But a $1,500 increase over the course of a year, um, you know, that's, uh, that's certainly a big, a big jump um, in, in one year. So I think it's heading in the right direction. I got a couple things. Uh, for one, the, the payouts definitely like go up and down and up and down, like at a, at a given tournament, like there'll be yeah. times when the USDGC pays 15 grand and then it goes down to 10 and then it's 12. And so it's not like just because it went up $1,500 this year, that is a good sign. I'm not trying to say it isn't, but that doesn't mean it wouldn't be, couldn't be lower next year. I don't think it will because I think it, things are starting to grow. Uh, second, uh, I have no problem with people collecting discs and not wanting to throw them. That's totally fine. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I don't like is when, when I hear about a guy who's like, man, I just can't get one, you know, like obviously COVID has caused a big spike in demand for discs in general, mm-hmm. maybe even more so for the signature limited run stuff. I would like there to be enough to supply for everyone who wants one to get one. And maybe that would kill some of that secondhand market stuff. Yeah, but I have no problem with people trying to collect rare and cool looking ones and have them up in their office or on their wall or whatever. That's fine. Yeah, like stamps and colors and stuff. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. And then I would say the last thing I would say is that uh, disc golf's payout structure, I think, has developed the way that it has in order to allow for the existence of a tour because the flat and deep payout allows people to like live out of their cars. And that's how it was. For almost everybody uh, for 30 years, you know, or something like that. And then you had like a, you know, even like a Ken Climo, you know, starting up and starting to make a little bit of money and get his name on signature products and all this stuff. So I think that that's sort of a a, a holdover from those times. And, and there's still a lot of guys. I mean, I'm not saying that everybody's traveling in style now. There's a lot of guys that are grinding yeah. out there and just living in their cars and, and trying to keep themselves out there. So that $500 for for 40th or whatever 
allows for some of those guys to still be out there so that they can live that full-time disc golf life even though it's like, you know, it's tough. Like I did that for a while and it's like, you're, you're certainly not saving money. And eventually I kind of started like giving myself ultimatums and being like, Hey man, I'm like 27. Like if I don't make 40 grand next year, I kind of, I think I have to be done with this. Yeah. You know? And, and that's kind of like, that's, but like I had the opportunity to tread water for a few years and get good, you know, and just like be a young kid and, and get out there. And it's like, it's hard. It's like, I, I can see both sides of that argument. I can understand what you're saying. And it, on the surface of it, I think it does look silly when it's like, yeah, I just beat this guy by a stroke and it ended up mattering for 10 bucks. Yeah. Or, or something like that. Like that kind of is too bad. But, but also I think you got to see it from that other side and look at the people that are like $3,000 in their bank account, beat up old car onto the next tournament, you know? Yeah. But I mean, there's, there's people like that on the PJ tour, you know, that are, that are just hoping for that one chance. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. But the PJ tour doesn't cater to that player. Sure. That's, that's kind of the difference I would say is, they're catering towards uh, the people that are winning. I mean, essentially that's kind of, you know, no one, no one really knows who got last cash in tournaments, yes. right? People, but everyone knows who won. So it's, it's interesting thing, you know, talking, you know, Jared, what you're talking about is we think you think you're only 20 or 25 guys should cash. You know, I've thought about like, what if, what if they had qualifications and only 30 guys were on tour? Yeah. How would, how would that look? Would that be bad or would that be easier for the disc golf pro tour to run and things would look way more professional and way more smooth? Um, you know, cause essentially right now we're gambling that that's kind of the problem. We're all yeah. throwing money into the pot and we're walking away with everyone's money. And uh, there's just so much money being made in disc golf. And it's not going into the players' pockets. And those are the ones that are essentially generating the hype and the interest and, and all those things. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of other factors that go into it. But you look at any any league or any sport that is successful, it's built off of players. Or else, I agree. If, I mean, if you go, I mean, Nate, you know full well with Jomez. If Jomez goes and films a random C-tier with no no one's ever heard of those guys you know how many views is that getting compared to going and filming you know the lead card at waco well so, is big sexy on the call for that c tier because I mean, sure yeah. sure they 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 sure can be yeah and people are probably tuning in for that reason and and but i would say a lot of people wouldn't tune in um, because they don't, they're not going to care about those players, you know? Yeah. So, I think, I think you, I think you see jumps in numbers on, I mean, it's easy to look at views on, on YouTube videos of when certain players get on cards and whatnot. Um, and even tournaments, right? Like the more prestigious these tournaments are getting to matter. But for me, it's, you know, I, I'm going to have such a small little portion in the disc golf history. Um, and obviously starting this late in my life, you know, I'm not going to be around playing disc golf for 20, 30 years like you guys have been doing. But if there's something that I can do to to be able to get people like Eagle, like Eagle just won a tournament. I feel like he should have gotten like twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, that would be fantastic for sure. <laughs> I think. Cause, I, yeah. You know, like because that's life changing money. Sure. That's life. That's literally life changing money. If he wins twenty thousand, maybe not for him because he's got 
other money coming in. But yeah, say one of these other guys, Ezra. Uh, Ezra. Yeah. Well, he has he has a discraft contract. I'm talking about like maybe someone like uh, that. That would still be life changing for Ezra. I'm Ezra sure. Yeah, he's so new. I mean, he he's on a great yeah. trajectory, but he's but like only the, at the very beginning of contract. Clint Calvin finished ten. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, well, what was the other guy that got the last USDG spot? Uh, is it Levi? Uh, yeah, I played with Levi. I'm not sure if he got the if he ended up getting the spot, but I did play with him for sure. No, he got, got like he got that. he was he got the last one. If he would have somehow won the tournament, five thousand, sure, that's great. But uh, you know, twenty thousand, that is now like holy cow. Okay, I'm completely changing all my plans this year because now I have money and I'm I'm literally going full force into disc golf. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't I, know. I, I can't disagree. I, I, can't feel, disagree. Like you, I, hope, I feel like I you guys should be there. getting more money. That's all hope, it is. I hope we get there. But yeah, what, what do we got, Jared? We got another question. Sorry. Sorry uh, that's all good. We certainly do. Uh, we've got so many questions here. Now, here's one that uh, came from us from Instagram, and they asked a little bit about, um, did you feel pressure coming in? Obviously, with so much fanfare and the fact that everybody knew who you were, what was it like dealing with that pressure in those first couple tournaments, knowing that you know you're the new guy, but all eyes are still on you? I don't, I mean, obviously I feel pressure um, and I get nervous. You know, I think people that say that they aren't nervous or they don't feel the pressure, those are the people that actually don't care. Um, if you truly care about something <laughs> and you want to do well, you're always going to feel nervous. It, it, it's, it never goes away, no matter how good you are at something. Um, so I wouldn't say I really felt anything different than going into a national championship game in ultimate Frisbee. Um, I didn't feel added pressure being the new guy. If anything, I, I just felt the same that I would have, because again, for me, I'm thinking long-term when I came in three years was when I really felt like that's how much time I needed to actually be able to compete. So that's, that's why the 2022 season is kind of circled. Um, because I feel like that's when everything's going to kind of come together for me. Okay, perfect. Albert from Instagram asked, what is the most interesting thing or thing that shocked you about disc golf from when you started and to now being on the tour? Mm, most interesting thing. Yeah. Was there something that just caught you off guard that you didn't, you weren't expecting or Gosh, the, that's the, a good, that's a good question. That's one I probably, there's probably several good answers. I'm I'm blanking on any of them right now. Um, uh, most interesting thing, man. Uh, I would say something that might be a little bit more interesting is how team oriented everyone is a little bit when yeah. it's an individual sport. Yeah, that the That's, manufacturers are kind of close yeah. knit that way, like the within their teams. Yeah, I think I think because there aren't really any other sponsorships, really, um, everyone kind of just clings to their manufacturer sponsor. Yeah. Um, so I think I think when more sponsors come in, people start having apparel sponsorships. Um, people start having you know watch sponsorships, whatever. I think I think that might change a little bit, but that that to me was kind of interesting a little bit that, you know, there was this because for me, you know, I, I'm good friends with a lot of people that are signed with Discraft, but I also have like not really a relationship with a lot of other people that are with him. But then I also get along with people that are signed with Innova and Prodigy and uh, stuff like that. But I, I would say there is a little 
I don't, I don't know if click is the right word, but there is a little bit of that kind of in disc golf, which yeah. I thought was, I thought was a little interesting at being an individual sport. I think most people are, you know, friendly across brands for sure yes. and, and have great friends on other brands. But I would say the manufacturers themselves foster some of that by being, you know, they want it to be like, yeah, the team and, you know, hashtag team Innova and team dinner. And not obviously with COVID it's all out the window, but yeah, different than I'm sure it is in, in other sports where like, yeah, just because you're wearing Nike shoes, that doesn't really like Trump the fact that you play for this team or this, or, you know, or who your, who your close friends are going to be within the sport. But I think, yeah, that definitely does exist in disc golf that there's some, uh, kind of like company secrets and, or yeah. whatever. And, and people mm-hmm. are kind of like, yeah, well, don't tell anybody who isn't on the team about that <laughs> yeah. or, or whatever. Yeah. This is an interesting question and uh, I really don't even understand most of it, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask it. This came on Instagram oh, from, from Huey Wesley Matthews. He says, Brody, when you played ultimate for Florida, do you feel like you used the rules to gain an advantage? It was pretty well known in the college ultimate scene at the time that similar to a move we see James Harden do in the NBA, you would step into your mark as you threw your hucks and call foul so you would get a free throw. Regardless, you are an incredible ultimate player that elevated the sport greatly. <laughs> I look forward to seeing how far you progress in disc golf. I have no doubt you'll see success over time. This sounds like somebody who your team might have kicked his team's ass in ultimate <laughs> at one point is uh, what I'm thinking here. So, yeah. So I'll first preface by saying uh, the person I was for a lot of my college ultimate career uh, was not someone to be proud of. I was not the most sportsman-like person. I, I shook everyone's hand after the game, but during the game, I probably did some trash talking and, and some of that stuff that I'm definitely not proud of. Um, but in regards to the, the rules themselves, you know, he, he brought up a good point. They changed that rule now of where, you know, before if you pump faked and you got someone in the air, players would just jump into that player and it would be a foul, right? once people started abusing that, they, they kind of saw like, this is a terrible rule. We need to change that. So now like that's not a rule anymore. So the fact that if I step and I wouldn't step into someone, cause that's, that's impossible to actually throw a good pass. But what I would do is I would basically put my, if you can visualize this, if you don't play ultimate Frisbee, it's gonna be hard. But when you have a mark up against you, I would essentially step with my foot around their one of their uh their right leg essentially if i was throwing a backhand and so for them to actually move over and try to block that throw they would they would hit my leg because i've put my leg in front of them um was it using the rules to gain an advantage i guess you could say that but i wasn't cheating i mean i wasn't doing anything against the rules um and Really, there was a lot of rule changes after after we kind of left college. So, you know, maybe the sport's in a better place now. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's sports, too. I mean, you know, rules get bent and then the governing body has to make changes. I mean, that, that happens in every sport where it's like, hey, well, that 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 football plays a little bit like it's mm-hmm. too it's too good with the current yeah. rules. So we got to change something. And uh, yeah, I, I can definitely kind of empathize with you about uh, ultimate and I, I always felt like I loved playing and I loved uh, my teammates and how hard we worked together to try to be good. Uh, but then the self-officiated nature 
Oh gosh, man. Brought out sides of me that I didn't like, yeah, you know, where it's I was so hard because you, you were so passionate and you worked so hard and it's like your team against their team. And it's like that you just realize, and you know, it's just another 20 year old kid. Yep. Um, you know, but yeah, I definitely had moments that I can remember from my ultimate days where I was like, man, I was just being a total jerk. And I, I and I like part of that was another reason why I love disc golf. Cause in disc golf, I'm like, I never have the, any feeling like that. So it's like, if there, anything happens, it's my fault, you know, <laughs> or, or whatever, you know, and I just, it's just all, uh, you against the course kind of. Yeah. There's not an NBA player that doesn't step into somebody who's guarding them hard at the three-point line so they can get to the stripe for three shots. So you you use the rules to your advantage, and uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I just thought that that was an interesting question. So uh, another question from Instagram. Is there a is there a spot now? I know you said 2022 circled on your calendar, but is there a certain spot or tournament that you've got circled for 2021 that you're really looking forward to getting to? Uh, I mean, definitely Idlewild and Ledgestone because those absolutely destroyed me last year. Um, uh, Idlewild, I, for some reason, thought I had a forehand, and I definitely did not. So I was – you can go and you can watch um, – you can watch some of my rounds from that, and I was just like, oh, my gosh. Like, my forehand was so bad. It was so bad, but I kept trying it on so many holes – um, so I would love to play that course again. And then obviously Ledgestone, I would love to get another, another shot there. Um, just because I, I think, I think that is probably the most complete as, as far as the courses I've played so far and the tournaments I've played, which is not a lot, obviously, but to me, I think that's the most complete disc golfer to like to win that tournament you have to be super good at everything you can't just throw far um you can't just be really good at hitting straight lines in the woods uh you have you have to have pretty much everything between those two courses um so i would really love to kind of go back out there and and test my skills and, and see how i can do chad from facebook wants to know brody What's your most memorable moment on the amazing race? Oh jeez. I kind of I kind of uh kind of don't remember a lot of it to be honest with you. <laughs> um, it's well it's just one of those things where you know I I've I've been blessed to be able to do so many different things that so much stuff just kind of blends in and so I've it's actually hard for me to even remember what the heck I even did on that show. Um and then plus my my wife dated someone that was on the show prior to me and they just would never not talk about it. So it was kind of ingrained early on to never bring the show up because uh, uh. it was kind of bad memories there. Um, but man, uh, I was trying to find in Mexico city at like one o'clock in the morning I think we had already been up for over 24 hours. I was trying to find someone in a mariachi band. I think it was a 500-person mariachi band. I was trying to find someone that was fake playing. So wow. you're literally running around, sticking your ears into trumpets, staring down these guys that are look like they're playing the guitar. I don't know. I thought that was... I thought that was, that's probably a terrible answer. Cause now I think about it. I went parasailing and like 
in the Alps, and that was ridiculous. So that probably would have been a better answer. There was probably a lot of better things in that, honestly. <laughs> Um, it's not too late. It's not too late. You can say parasailing <laughs> in the Alps. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. That that was pretty cool too. So maybe I'll go with that one. We also did some cool stuff in Bali, which I want to go back to. Bali's fire, super nice. underrated. But yeah, no, amazing race was cool. Yeah, I don't know much about Bali. I do know that we're the number three sports podcast in Malaysia, Nate. So <laughs> oh heck yeah, I know that. We just got that in our email today. Hey. So whatever. All right. Shout out to all the Malaysian uh, viewers, listeners. Yeah. Well, uh, Brody, I'll just tell you from a, a fan standpoint, um, watching you uh, ha- has been really cool. Uh, you do some awesome videos over on your YouTube page. And to see somebody be able to just come into the sport and, you know, uh, let's be real, man. A lot of people in the in the beginning thought maybe Discraft was just trying to trying to pull a celebrity name in and, and take advantage of two million views. But you really busted your ass. You worked hard. You cut your, your season short last year to get back to the basics and really kind of teach yourself and um, to have that top 25 finish in Vegas, I think is, is absolutely awesome and amazing. And, uh, and I appreciate everything that you do content wise for the sport. So um, I just had to, I had to put that out there. Hey, I appreciate that. And uh, just to kind of go on that a little bit is, you know, I, I know a lot of people don't like the fact that, you know, I, I say a lot of stuff and, you know, I start a lot of topics and whatnot, but I'm a firm believer that just getting the conversation going and getting things out there and having people talk about it potentially could bring in new ideas that, you know, maybe, maybe haven't been brought up in a while, or maybe the timing was wrong. And now the timing is right for me. I think disc golf is an incredible sport. Um, I think it is, something that so many people can enjoy, whether it's a hobby or whether they, they want to try to make a career out of it. And the more that I can, whatever, everything that I'm saying and doing, I might not, I might not express it properly because let's be honest, English is not my greatest suit. Um, <laughs> I got, I got a 1370 on my SATs and I didn't miss it, uh, a math question. So you can kind of do the math and, figure out how, what I did on verbal, but, um, everything's coming from a side of where I'm trying to either get more people playing the sport, or I'm trying to get people that are really putting time and effort into the sport, more money. Um, and, and those are the two main motives. I think we talked about earlier. I think a lot of these guys should be deserving way more money than they're currently getting. And I think there are some things that potentially we could be doing differently um, as people that play disc golf that could potentially help new players coming into the sport. So, you know, if, if you have an issue with me or something like that, I, I have no problem to having a conversation with you. Um, but I, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes people take it as, oh, this guy's just coming into the sport and is trying to make it like golf and trying to do this and this and so. You know, the reason why a lot of my success from YouTube has come from looking at other successful YouTubers and doing things that work for them. And I feel like that's a really easy way of being successful in something is looking at other people. Clearly in disc golf, I wasn't seeking advice from MA3 players. I was seeking advice from some of the best players in the world. 
And, you know, that's essentially what I'm trying to do in other aspects of disc golf is seeing how other successful sports, other successful businesses are doing it and being like, man, what if we tried this? What if we did this? Um, and so that, that's all I'm doing. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get people paid. I, I'm with it, man. I, I, I like it. I, I, I think disc golf's lucky to have you getting involved. I think it, you, you brought some more eyes. I'm, I'm impressed with your progress so far as a player. And I, I don't doubt that there's a lot more good things coming for you because I know you're working hard. I'm trying. I'm definitely trying. It's that awesome irony of the same people that are saying that are the same people that every other post put hashtag grow the sport. Um, and that's exactly, exactly what you're doing now. Typically, Brody, this is where I give uh, our guests an opportunity to plug all of their stuff. But you're pretty plugged. Maybe I should be asking you to plug us on all your stuff. <laughs> on sure. all yours. Yeah. Hey, let, um, send, me, send me the link and I'll blast it out. Nice. Yeah, but uh, is there anything is there anything new going on? Um, for those who maybe don't know, you want to tell them what the YouTube page is? Are there new videos coming up? Is there a new disc to look out for? What do you got going on, man? You know, I think I think a lot of things is are going really well. I would say if you if you haven't yet checked out the Disc Golf Network, um, I would definitely highly suggest checking that out. I think live sports right now. Um, I think that's definitely the direction, obviously, that I would love to see Discoff kind of go towards. Um, not saying, not saying anything wrong with post-produce, but uh, definitely, definitely would love to try to get some more sponsors from outside getting into the, the to the live versus just all Discoff uh, sponsors. But yeah, I mean, the tour series disc just dropped for Discraft. So if you want to go and, and support um, one of my teammates over there. Uh, those came out super nice. And then, uh, I guess, uh, Nate, you haven't really, have you, have you promoted your collector page? Cause I heard, <laughs> I heard some crazy stuff going on over there. So if you're not a member of Nate's collector page on Facebook, I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, it is Ugh. crazy in there for sure. <laughs> there, there's, I, I, there's some money heard, moving around. Yeah. I heard some people do, uh, just random firebird giveaways too. I, yep, could, I could be wrong. Oh, that okay. Happens. Yeah. That does so, happen. So you never know. For sure. <laughs> well, uh, I think it was absolutely awesome to uh, to get you on and, and talk to you a little bit, Brody. Again, we know it's your anniversary, so I don't want to keep you too long. Um, but gosh, would would love to have you come back on at some point, uh, maybe as we get closer to that big push for that 2022 season and uh, and talk to us again. Yeah, hopefully I you know hopefully I do something worthwhile, and then uh, we can we can get on here and talk about it. Nice. I got two. I got uh, two things before we let you go. The first Yo. is, uh, I I don't know if this has been formally announced, but I feel like I could say it here. Uh, I'm making my Disc Golf Network live commentary debut for Waco. Heck so yeah! Get in there. Uh, I'm going to be on the coverage with uh, Nate Doss and others, and going to give try my hand at uh, calling the live action on Disc Golf Network. So I'm really excited about that. And then I have one final question for you, Brody, and I know. It doesn't bode well for me that I have to ask this, but mm. am I dark horse? <laughs> uh, man, I think the short answer would be like if you. It's kind of like one of those things. Like if you have to ask if you are, that's you probably, what I was worried you, about. See, you probably you probably aren't, but that's what I was you know, worried about. the The whole dark horse thing is is, is the underdog, right? Like people people yeah. don't really expect you to do anything. And you do it anyways, but, um, 
to, to go on a little bit of what you said, I guess, earlier, so we don't have to, you know, call you out for not being Dark Horse. Um, I will say uh, you are probably the best commentator that we currently have in the game. So as much as I would love to see you in the booth, I, I hope you are still playing uh, or plan on playing in, in tournaments because I, I definitely think you still have a lot to offer out on the course. But I'm hoping that potentially when you do decide to to give it up, I'm, I'm hoping that you you do the Tony Romo route and uh, stick around in the booth because I, I, I think – you potentially could be someone that could really help continue to, to blow up the sport with the commentary that you give. Um, so yeah, I'm cool. excited. I'm excited for you to do it, man. Yeah. I'm excited too. I, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm going to be in there a couple times while I'm still kind of taking this COVID thing and figuring out how we're going to navigate that, but you yep. know, definitely going to be out there in the tournaments as well. And I'll see you out there. And I, and again, just want to thank you for taking the time to come on the show and I uh, really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, again, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it, and good luck uh, the rest of the year with, with your show. Yeah, man, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Well, Nate, uh, Brody certainly did not disappoint. Uh, that guy, he uh, he shoots. He he just he, he runs it, man. He says what he wants to say and what's on his mind, and uh, and it was a fun conversation with him today. Yeah, absolutely. I think he doesn't he, – he definitely speaks his mind, and I don't think he gets quite enough credit for being a thoughtful guy because he kind of – he can come across – kind of brash or whatever, but I think it comes, it's very clear in having this conversation with him that he's not just like shooting from the hip and not thinking about what he's saying. You know, there's, there's a, he's putting thought into all these arguments and the things that he wants to see change. And I believe him when he says that, you know, he just wants to better the game and, uh, and take things forward. Yeah. I'm not afraid to admit that I bag a first run, get freaky. And every single time I'm on the course throwing it, people are like, you can't throw that disc. And I'm like, I'm going to throw it right into the next tree. So <laughs> I don't care what the value is on this thing. I bought it to play with. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's funny to just hear you guys talk about the discs. It's, uh, I bag a bunch of discs that I probably shouldn't, but that's neither here nor <laughs> there. Um, so Vegas again, we talked about it a little bit. You had that 17th place finish. Um, you just mentioned that you're going to be doing some live commentary. It's going to be Nate and Nate in the booth. Um, when's the next time we're going to see you throwing some discs in a tournament? My plan is the dynamic discs open in April that I'll be flying out there for that to play in the, on the national tour. All right. So little, little time off from playing and laying low, taking care of Coraline, um, trying to stay safe and, and keep everyone around you safe, but you'll be back out there in April. All right. That's, yeah. that's okay. Yeah. We're getting her on the wait list for daycare again. So we're starting to get those wheels moving to kind of return to normal life. Are you excited about the, the live commentary with Nate Doss? Yeah, yeah, really, I am. Uh, I think it's going to be really fun. I mean, I, not only because I just haven't seen Nate in a while, and he's a good friend of mine. So I haven't been down there to see the brewery, and I love the city of Bend, and the Disc Golf Network is, like, really putting a lot of energy and talent be into their broadcasts, and things are just kind of getting better and better. So I hope that I can be part of that equation and, and help the commentary get even better. So that's my goal. I'm sure it's going to be great. Um, I'll tell you what, man. I love listening to to Nate Doss do commentary, and if nothing else, because he is, you know, he's he's one of those guys. He's in the conversation, and uh, yep. uh, uh, and when he says something, I I know that it's from somebody who knows what they're talking about. And I'll tell you what, for Vegas, your buddy and uh, and our friend here, the show Ian, he did an amazing job calling it with with Nate. I know you probably didn't get to hear any of it live because you were out there playing, but Ian and Nate Doss did awesome. 
Yeah, they're both great. I mean, I, I love work. I've worked with both of those guys in, in some capacity and, and just both top class guys. Awesome, awesome job by them, by all accounts that I've heard. So it's going to be a while. We're not going to see a, a practice round until until April? Or well, there'll or, be practice rounds. Maybe... There'll be practice rounds. It'll just be, you know, the the practice round prints and uh, the guy who shoots over par on purpose, I'm starting to think, in these practice <laughs> rounds. Man, there were so many great moments. Guys, if you haven't been over to Jomez's YouTube page, you have to check out this practice round. <laughs> it was just uh, – it was a, a whole lot of fun. Uh, germs germs throwing extra shots. Um, you know, him, him and Jules kind of headed out over what a score was going to be. <laughs> um, Yuli was just – he was just Yuli. Uh, it was it was so much fun to watch. So I, I'm really I'm really looking forward to to more of that. Yeah, and the and, other uh, thing that just came out today is the I made my uh, OTB skins debut uh, skins match that plays on the GK Pro the GK Pro or GK Productions uh, YouTube page. So I just made that uh that video just came out with me, Kevin Jones, uh, Calvin Heimberg, and Paige Pierce playing hundred dollars a whole skins on the end of a course. So check that, that video out too. It's a ton of fun. We're all mic'd up talking trash, making putts. Oh man, I missed that one. So I got I'm going to have to check that one Just out. Just came for out sure. today. So yeah, you're, you're still, you're still going to be early to the party. All right, good, man. Because uh, I'll take all the action that I can get right now in Buffalo. We're still knee deep in snow. So yeah. only disc golfing that's going on here is happening on the TV and on my phone. So nice. Uh, well, Nate, it was amazing to to see you back out there. Really looking forward to the Nate and Nate booth that uh, that the Disc Golf Network is going to be getting set up for us, and uh, and seeing you uh, and hearing you do what you do best. Um, but I guess until that happens, while everyone else is kind of just laying them up, Nate. I mean, you heard Brody; he's going to be throwing six hundred feet soon. The dude's coming for me. I got to run these shots, <laughs> guys. We will talk to you next week. And guys, don't forget to check out our friends over at FisherDiscGolf.com. You can find them on social media at FisherDiscGolf. Check out all of their discs, all of their apparel, and supporting our sponsors is the number one way to support this show.